Today, I want to share a story about a man who got saved a week or so ago, and I want to entitle this small talk, A Textbook Salvation. And I'm going to do my best to break down this story into bite-sized pieces because I know you want to see souls saved. But what I want you to see is that there's a process to see this come to pass because we never know where someone is spiritually. But in God's sovereignty, he's always wooing. He's constantly drawing the hearts of mankind, and he desperately desires that everyone comes to a saving knowledge of his son, Jesus. And I believe this story will bless you, so buckle up. We are on the revival road, and this is a textbook salvation. A few weeks ago, I received a random text message, and it said, Hey, Chance, I want to come to your church. And I don't know what your phone looks like, but whenever I meet somebody and I save their number, I travel all the time. I meet people here, there, everywhere. And so whenever I save their number, I try to do my best in the moment to describe that person so that I can later look them up if need be. I hope this makes sense. But whenever I received the text message a few weeks ago, it said... Stephen, Asian guy from Jim. And I thought, who is Stephen, Asian guy from Jim? And I thought, Stephen, I haven't seen Stephen in five years or so. And he said, hey, Chance, I want to come, I want to, come to your church. And I don't think he'd ever called me or text me, but obviously I had given him my phone number. And so I said, hey, Stephen, Long time. I haven't seen you. But yes, I would love for you to come to my church. So I sent him the address and the time and we conversed. And that was that. I got busy Sunday morning, 9.45 a.m. I get a phone call. Stephen, Asian guy from Jim. And I said, hey, Stephen. He said, I'm at your church. I said, I'll be there in just a few minutes. I want to press pause. Many times people say, hey, I'm coming to church, and they never show. So you just never know. Stephen actually came to church. And I'm thinking statistically, most people come to church because you invite them. And obviously, I had invited him or at least told him who I was somewhere along the way. And so he came to church. I show up, there he is with his girlfriend, his daughter. We hug, we say hello, we catch up really fast. And there you go, the service starts. At the end of the service, Stephen comes down the aisle into the altar and he really gets saved. He, 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 he prays the prayer. He surrenders his heart to the Lord. It's absolutely amazing. Caught me really off guard. I didn't know anything about Stephen. And I'm going somewhere with this. I did not know anything about him. But he has this glorious experience with God. Big smile on his face. 
I later found out that he is a Buddhist. He had never been to church. He had never prayed a prayer. He had really never heard the pure gospel. And he had never been loved on like this. And he surrenders his life to Jesus. We spend some time with him after the service. Pray with him. Love on him. He walks out the door. We meet for lunch later that week. And I find out Stephen's story. And so today... I want to give you the ABCs of the gospel because the Bible says as long as the earth lives, there shall be seed, time, and harvest. Evangelism begins with a smile. We have to sow the seed. Everything starts with a seed. It's been said statistically it takes one t- someone 27 times to hear the gospel before they respond. Five years later, Stephen responded, and who does he call? He calls me. For whatever reason, he sends me a text. The Spirit stirs him up and prompts him to reach out to a person, and he reaches out to me. It certainly was not the devil. I'm hearing in my heart today, be a tree. God sowed a seed and the seed became a tree. And many years later, a man by the name of Zacchaeus climbed the tree so that he could see Jesus. The tree got him to a place where he could see. And so it is with you and so it is with me. We should build trust and credibility in our community so that people will reach back out to us when they need us the most. And so it was in the life of Stephen. We've got to sow the seed. I used to see Stephen in the gym, at Gold's Gym. I used to see him, and I remember big smile. And I I go into the gym, and I I normally put in my AirPods, and, and I lose myself. It's my time to meditate and to pray and to exercise. And so I really don't dive deep into conversations, but obviously sometimes I do. And, and, and I remember Stephen five years ago, I, I remember his smile. And I didn't know anything about Stephen, but I sowed the seed of the gospel. Step two, no man comes to Christ unless he is drawn by the Spirit. And to me, this is the best part of the story. We sow the seed, and the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. He lures the people. He plucks their heartstrings. He is their ever-present help in time of need. Indeed, he is a magnet to men. It's the loving kindness of the Lord that leads men to repentance, Romans, Romans 2, 4. So we sow the seed, whatever that may be, whatever it looks like in your life. We sow the seed of the gospel and we lift up the name of Jesus and he draws the people to his feet. Are you with me? This is what the Holy Spirit did in the life of Stephen. He drew this Buddhist boy all the way down the driveway and into the doors of the church. This was obvious. 
It was a textbook salvation. Sowed the seed and the Holy Spirit drew the soul. And if you take the Holy Spirit out of this equation, evangelism is just a hustle. I can't save anybody. I can't heal anybody. I can't set anybody free. But when I partner with the one who holds all power in his hand, suddenly I get a front row seat to see God's power and authority released. And so it was in the life of Stephen. I couldn't believe my eyes that Sunday morning. I'm thinking, I haven't seen him in five years. And now I see him sitting in the sanctuary with his family. And little did I know, it was a front row seat to see salvation across the screen. Number three, you sow the seed. You see the Spirit's leading. And now you have to seize the opportunity. Carpe diem. You have to seize the day. How do you do it? You have to share the gospel and give people an opportunity to respond. And this may seem old-fashioned. So many churches and ministries and God-fearing people, they do a great job, but they fall short because they don't seal the deal by sharing the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first to the Jew and secondly to the Greek. Romans 1.16. We serve, sure. We pray and prepare, you bet. We smile, we sow, we show up on Sundays, yes, yes, yes. But when the harvest is ripe and ready, we have to swing the sickle. We have to seize the day. We have to share the simple gospel. If you add to the gospel, it's not the gospel. If you take anything away from the gospel, it's not the gospel. The gospel is so simple. Even a child can understand it. I call it the too good to be true gospel because it sounds too good to be true, but it's true. It's true. And the gospel is simple. And if you're in any type of leadership and you're listening to me today, I beg you to share the gospel and give people an opportunity in every service you facilitate. Sunday mornings, Wednesday night, weddings, funerals, small groups, worship nights, marketplace ministry meetings, youth nights, whatever it may be. On the street, it doesn't matter. Share the gospel and give people the time to respond. And this is a key. What if the Holy Spirit drew Stephen and we did not give him the gospel and the opportunity to respond. He would have died and went to hell and his blood would have been on my hands. But instead, he heard. Romans 10:14. How can they hear speaking of unbelievers unless we tell them? Friend, God does not have a plan B. It's up to you and me. We are agents of reconciliation in the world. Romans 5, 21 through 25. So this is a key. You've got to sow the seed. You've got to see 
the Spirit's leading. And third and lastly, you have to seize the opportunity. And this is what happened to Stephen. Stephen got radically saved. And I can't wait to baptize his whole family. This is textbook. It's a textbook salvation story. And that's one side of the gospel. But what about the other side of the gospel? We don't work for our salvation, Philippians 2.6, but we do work from our salvation, Philippians 2.13. And Stephen and I had lunch the following week, and after he got radically saved, this is what I really discovered. Three things really fast. And it lets me know that what happened was real. He said the week after he got saved, every night a man walked into his room. A dark figure walked into his bedroom and stood at the end of his bed. And he couldn't see the man's face, but he was whispering and tormenting him. And he had the weirdest feeling, and he said that this had never happened in his life. Him and his family were practicing Buddhist. He was born in Malaysia, and they were, they were serving a false god. They were bowing down to Buddha. They were doing their best to be good because that's the basis of Buddhism so that they would have a better reincarnation. And he said he had never experienced a demon in his life. Never before had he experienced a dark spirit. But every night between 1 and 2 a.m., a, a demonic spirit would walk into his bedroom and stand at the end of his bed, and he couldn't sleep. He was being tormented. So the following week, we told Stephen, this is what you have to do. You have to say, in the name of Jesus, get out of my house. And it was so pure. After we talked the following week, he said, on, on Sunday night after church, because he's been to church every week since he got saved. <laughs> and that makes me so happy. He said, that Sunday night, that spirit walked into my bedroom. He said, I sat up in my bed, and I looked at him, and I said, you are not my God. I am not serving you any longer. I am serving Jesus. And as soon as he said the name of Jesus, the spirit left his room and has not been back since. Come on, somebody. This is the other side of the gospel. We have to take authority over the enemy and command him to get out of our house. Because if you've read your Bible, the Bible says that we are not fighting for the victory. We are fighting from the victory. And the devil is under our feet. Number two, Stephen is telling everybody. He's 59 years old. And he's telling everybody about what happened in his life. I did not know that Stephen was in the military for 40 years. He served in the Philippines. He was actually in, in the American military. He's a bright, educated, faithful man. And he knows a lot of people. And I, and I can already see the evangel, evangelistic gift emerging in his life. He is telling 
everybody. You don't have to have a PhD to preach. You don't have to go to Bible college. Acts 1.8 says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. Come on. A witness simply means somebody who has seen or heard. In this case, Jesus. And he truly met Jesus. And he is truly telling everybody what happened in his heart. Number three, he said he's experiencing persecution. Persecution is the catalyst that causes the gospel to spread. He's being persecuted. He's got a brother that lives in Malaysia, this Buddhist. He has another brother that's a born-again believer. And he's in the midst of this war. He's in the midst of this battle. But God is using him. And number three, he's ready to lay down his life. That word witness in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 in the Greek literally means martyr. Somebody that is willing to lay their life down for the sake of Christ. If you seek to gain life, you'll lose life. But if you lose your life for the name of Christ, the Bible says that you will gain eternal, everlasting, hallelujah, life in Christ. And so this is the other side of the gospel. Hallelujah. Today I want to say that there are people in your sphere of influence. All you have to do is sow the seed, pray, wait for the Spirit's leading, and seize the day when you see it manifest in your life. This is a textbook salvation. So please pray for Stephen and please pray for us. You never know what today holds. You never know what God is going to do tomorrow. But I believe that you will see your whole family tree saved in Jesus' name. And your circle of friends and your whole community. They will be born again. And you will get to see a front row opportunity of a mighty move of God's Spirit. I believe this with everything within me. God bless you. I'll see you next week.